Good morning. I want to welcome everybody today. I, um, I know full well that some of you in here, you saw yourself in that video, right? Did I just hear? Uh, I just heard a yes down here, and that was from a guy that was saying that, right? Um, yeah, you, usually it's, it's the wives that offer up the, yeah, right here. Um, yeah, we're getting ready to go into message number two in this short three-part series entitled Building Strong Families. And uh, we just started this last week, and uh, today we're going to be talking about some concepts that uh, certainly apply to the family. But the reality of the matter is that some of the stuff we're going to be talking about certainly goes beyond family. It can include co-workers, it can include friends and neighbors and, and the like as well. I want to encourage you as we get into this. Actually, this is an encouragement that I could tack on to the front end of pretty much every message that I give. But, uh, but, but I, want, I want to just verbalize it here today. Resist the urge of listening to this message and the whole time thinking, oh, I wish so-and-so was here to have heard this today. Oh, so-and-so really needed to hear this message today. Now, I know how that works. I mean, I've, I've thought similar thoughts before when I've listened to someone preaching, and I'm just like, man, are they in the crowd? I really hope that so-and-so is here. And pretty much I've thought that with every one of you when you missed a Sunday. But... Uh, <clears throat> But no, I just want to encourage you just, just to kind of resist that urge and instead, you know, devote that little bit of thought and energy into praying that the Lord will help you to have a responsive heart, to just hear what his word has to say. Last week, we started this series off by talking about forgiveness and how we need to be generous in forgiveness. And you remember it involved the passage uh, where Peter is asking Jesus in Matthew 18, how many times do I forgive my brother when he sins against me? And, you know, and I had, I had mentioned in the message that I think uh, maybe even a little bit better stated what Peter was asking there was, okay, when can I stop forgiving my brother? You know, when do I draw the line in the sand and that, you know, once he's gotten to that point, I'm not responsible to forgive him any longer. Well, anyway, Jesus' answer was 70 times 7. And I don't think Jesus was actually giving Peter a specific number to be keeping track of. Uh, instead, I think that's Jesus' way of saying to Peter, don't keep track, Peter. Don't keep track. You need to forgive, and you need to keep on forgiving. Well, the relevance of that particular topic certainly involves the family, but it also goes beyond the family. Well, that was last week's topic. Today's topic has to do, as you can see on the screen, has to do with listening. And, uh, and it clearly even goes beyond that, and you'll, you'll pick up on that before I'm done with the message today. Some of you might be thinking, well, I really don't need this because I am already a good listener. You know, some of you are thinking that, uh, okay, well, you know, I, I pretty much got this part. Um, and the reality of the matter is you might be a good listener because there are some out there. 
but not a huge number of people that fall into that category. Uh, studies show that uh, uh, most of us got some work to do in order to actually be good listeners because most of us aren't. Part of the problem is that we think about communication and we think of the listening as the easy part. It's the given because it's passive. It doesn't take any effort, okay? It's the talking part. It's the communicating, articulating, you know, what it is that I want to get off my chest and that I need to convey to so-and-so that sometimes I struggle coming up with the words. You know, we generally look at that as being the hard part and the listening part. Oh, yeah, there's nothing to that. I got that down already. Well, the reality of the matter is that good listening requires work and it requires focus um, to a measure that many people aren't willing to invest. So let me just start this whole topic today off with this statement. Healthy communication begins with listening. Let's get that established in our mind. Now, that's not the way we naturally think because like I already indicated, we think of talking being where good communication, healthy communication starts. You got to be a good talker. You go to college and how many classes are being offered on being good listeners, right? You know, and we falsely conclude, well, that's because it's a given. Everyone can do that. But the talking, okay, there's a variety of classes, you know, because you need help to be able to be a talker. Uh, well, that's not where it begins. It begins with the listening. Here's what the scripture says. James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God uh, desires. This is where it starts. With being quick to listen. Listening is not just something that you do in order to politely wait for your turn to talk. That's not what listening is. There's much more to listening. So, and it's not passive, it's active. So let me share with you four things that are involved in being a good listener. Number one, it involves paying attention. Because you're not just looking for an opening. You're not just looking for them to punctuate a sentence, put a period on the end, and that means it's your turn. Or for you to take in, uh, or for the other person that's talking at the time, for them to take in a breath, that's your opportunity of inserting yourself and starting to talk. No, it is about understanding. That's what listening is about. It's not waiting your turn to talk. It's about understanding. Stephen Covey wrote a book over 20 years ago, as I recall, that's entitled The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And it was a bestseller of a book. Well, habit number five, uh, he worded this way. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. And there's a reason why it was a bestseller. And, and uh, his principles, though they were very basic, yet they were spot on. So many of them were. This one definitely was spot on because it is true that we should seek first to understand, then 
be understood. That, that works very well with what James chapter 1, verse 19, that I read just a moment ago, what it is saying. It's normal for our minds to wander. But a good listener, a good listener intentionally reins in that tendency of their mind wandering and bringing it back. And I don't know, you know, people say that, well, our minds have been conditioned this way because of television. And it used to be that, you know, when you watch TV every 15 minutes, commercials came on. So they talked about the attention span only being 15 minutes long. Uh, I don't know if there are, are many channels that only have commercials every 15 minutes now. You know, it seems like every five or six minutes, you know, they're putting um, commercials out there. And so if that old reasoning really had some merit to it, then that means people's attention spans are much shorter nowadays because they've been conditioned to focus for shorter bursts of time, and then their minds will begin to wonder. But a good listener, what they do is when that tends to start happening, and eventually it does happen with all of us, a good listener will rein it back and keep it at task on, on understanding, attempting to understand what it is that's being said. This means that as a good listener, you are not texting. You know, I used to say, you put down the newspaper, okay, if you're going to be a good listener. But uh, most of us have thrown away the newspaper, all right? I asked the question upstairs because I figured if there was any percentage, a high percentage of, uh, of a crowd that we were going to have today that still gets a newspaper, I figured it was upstairs. Um, but yet only one out of six people up there raised, well, not even that. There was only eight people that raised their hand. We had 60-some people in the service upstairs. So how many down here, how many of you still get a newspaper? Okay. Yeah, I mean, the number is about eight. You know, it's about like what it was upstairs, except we got a, 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 a many more people that are represented here. So the old illustration there of saying that in order to be a good listener, you need to put down the newspaper. Well, we've thrown it out. So now it is a smartphone. You got to put down the smartphone. You got to you got to um, mute the TV or pause it or turn it off entirely. You know, if you're really going to be a good listener, research indicates that 85 percent of what people communicate is nonverbal. Now, I haven't really read a detailed report on that to know exactly how that can be. 85% seems like a high percentage to me, um, but, but there's more than one, one uh, um, uh, study on this that gives percentages close to that amount. But even if it's only 50 or 60%, even if it was much smaller than that, that's still a large amount of what's being communicated in non-verbal forms. And if your eyes are spending most of the time on a phone while there is this conversation that is going on, you're missing a big percentage of what's being communicated. Because your eyes are off of the person that is talking and it's fixed on something else. We need to be attentive. And to be a good listener, you, you need to pay attention. Okay, and so that means removing some of these distractions and, and making it your goal to understand. That's what should be happening. Number two, a good listener communicates interest. 
Your body language, we talked about their body language. Your body language needs to convey that you're interested. But if your eyes are somewhere else, you're not getting off to a good start because your body language is already communicated. Now, if you're driving the car, that's different, okay? But, but if you're not driving a car, you know, then uh, uh, you need to realize that your body language, you know, by not looking at the person who is talking, it is communicating, you know, something. And maybe even facing them. And like I said earlier, removing distractions and all this is a part of communicating interests. You know, one of the things that is so easy to happen is you can start conversing with someone and, you know, you start out looking them in the eye and, and you're talking, but then before you know it, you're looking over their shoulder and you're looking at other people while they're talking. And, I mean, that's communicating something that I don't know that you really intend to communicate, but all the same, you are communicating that, you know, with your body language. I know Sunday mornings are always a challenge for me, because we try to be punctual with, with you know, if you've ever been to the 8 o'clock service, I'm the one that kicks off the service up there, and right at 8, I mean, we try not to even be a minute late in getting started. You know, we're very punctual, you know, on the time, and I think, I think we're pretty punctual with our second service that we're in right now, and our third service as well. But one of the things that in being punctual is that sometimes you need to be at a certain place, like this back room for me, you know, at a certain time. Otherwise, it's going to be time for me to be out here, and I'm going to be stuck out in the entry area in the middle of a conversation. So I find it challenging at times that I will, between services, I'll be talking to someone, and I'll kind of glance at my watch and realize, oh boy, it's about go time here. And, uh, you know, and I start the conversation conversation and they're standing right here I start the conversation like this and eye contact and all of this and then I end up being like this and I'm kind of look and then I end up being like this and you know I'm not and it's just like it's so difficult to to uh, uh, try to send you know the the positive signs of interest body language wise but yet at the same time you got another responsibility that you got to get to but but, but that is something that is important, is that to be a good listener, you need to be communicating interest. And a lot of that happens through your body language. It's not so much the words that you're saying, it's, it's what they're seeing while they're talking to you. Number three, periodically asking questions. Now, what I'm not saying with this is I'm not saying ask so many questions that you can redirect the conversation to be more interesting or to be more about what you want it to be about. Because you can do that through a series of asking questions. You know, you can steer a conversation. That is not what I'm talking about, manipulating the person who is talking to talk about what you want them to talk about. I'm talking about periodically throwing in a question because it communicates continued interest, but it also, you know, is an indication that you really are trying to understand maybe something that they said, you know, that, that kind of is slipping past you or you don't know what they're referring to. And so just a little clarifying question once in a while can be a very healthy thing to help send the message to the person who is talking to you, whether it be a coworker or whether it be your spouse or your children, um, that you really are trying to listen, that you are a good listener. Number four, 
A good listener is remembering details. And what I mean by this is, let's say, for example, uh, in the morning you're kind of rushing around the house, you're trying to get breakfast out for everybody and all of this, and they head off to work, and your spouse shares with you, uh, today is the day I've been dreading for weeks. You know, I meet with my supervisor today, and this happens every three months or whatever. I always dread this day, and and because, you know, it's just, it just makes me so nervous, and whatever additional reasons. And so let's say your spouse was saying that to you in the morning. And then before you knew it, man, you hit the ground running and people were out the door, whether it was to a bus or to the car and heading to work and all this stuff. Well, a good listener, you know, when you come back together again at the, uh, later in the day, uh, at six or whatever time that you're all uh, converging on your home again. A good listener is not a person that waits for the other one to reinitiate their day and say, oh, and by the way, you know, my meeting with my supervisor today, you know, no, a good listener is the one that initiates that and just saying, oh, you know, when you check with each other, how'd your day go? Uh, you know, things go all right today and being very specific. How about that meeting that you had today? How did that meeting go? You see, it's probably going to get talked about, you know, anyway, because it is something that has been on his or her mind, you know, leading up to that day and perhaps even following the meeting, especially if the meeting didn't go real well. It's something that they've continued to think about. But, you know, that really is um, like like a, a, a fresh breeze you know, for them or, or something refreshing and reassuring, you know, coming from you, if you then initiate, how did it go? I was thinking of you today or I was praying for you today. You know, that really sends a good, strong message that they need to hear. Now, that's if it involves your family, you know, your spouse or one of your children, you know, a conversation like that. But let's say it's someone here, you're part of your church family. So it's someone that maybe you don't see as often. You see once a week. Um, and then if one of you, you or your friend misses a week, then it may be once every couple of weeks that you see each other. Well, let's say that you're having a conversation between services with someone and they mention something about, oh, yeah, my, my mother's going in for surgery at the end of the week. Pretty nervous about this at her age. And, you know, they just make some kind of a comment like that. Well, if the next time you see each other, whether it be next Sunday or whether it be, let's say, in a couple of Sundays, and you see your friend and you initiate, you know, conversation with them, and and you are the one that prompts it and say, hey, by the way, I remember that you said your mom was going to be having a procedure. How did that go? You, you know what that's going to communicate, right? I mean, that's going to communicate something very positive and reinforcing to the person that uh, initially had mentioned it to you. Well, that is part of what being a good listener is. As you can see, when you look over that list, it is not something that is passive. It is something actually that is very active. Whatever you do, you just got to fight the urge of hijacking the story that is being told you in order to tell your own story. We've all been there. You know, we're talking to someone, and someone says something, and it triggers a memory in our mind. It might be a memory from last week. It might be a memory from six years ago. But it triggers a memory in our mind, and then we're just looking for the opportunity to tell our story. 
you know, and when they take in a breath or whatever, boom, we jump into it. And all of a sudden we're kind of talking about the same subject, but now we're talking about my family. You know, someone you're talking to is talking about their grandson. And, oh, my grandson's so cute because of blah, 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 you know. And, um, and, and all of a sudden you're just thinking about, oh, your granddaughter, you know, and what your granddaughter said the other day, you, you uh, got a little video from your, your daughter sending send it to you of something your granddaughter did. And boy, you're already getting your phone out, you know, and you're just waiting for them to put a period on a sentence and say, look at this, you know. And all of a sudden, you've just hijacked the conversation and you're taking it, you know, a direction that you're wanting. You know what that feels like when someone does that to you, right? When you're only partway through whatever it is that you were saying to them, whether it was something cute like a grandchild or whether it was something serious like a health issue or something like that, um, you know what it's like for somebody to have a memory triggered and boom, before you know it, all of a sudden now, you know, you're not talking. They're the one that is, has taken the floor from you. There are several tendencies that are found with people that don't listen well. And that is one of the tendencies of people that are not very good listeners, you know, because they're, they're always trying to, to take over the conversation. Or, or while you're talking, they're spending time formulating their answer. That's, that's something that uh, uh, frequently happens. And, and you can see when that happens because usually the look in their eye changes a little bit. It's kind of a little more glossed over, and you can tell their mind is somewhere else. You know, because they're kind of replaying in their mind what their response is going to be. So they're not, they're not totally connected with what you are saying. Or, you know, maybe it'll be a person, again, that's playing with their phone or someone that's not giving you good eye contact. I mean, there, there are several tendencies that are found in people that don't listen well. This is why I say that being a good listener is not easy. It is not easy, and it certainly is not a passive thing, because you need to be intentional. You need to be self-disciplined. You need to exercise self-restraint, you know, and just bite your lip at times. And just, even though you're chomping at the bit and you really do want to say what's on your mind, sometimes it's best just to let them continue to talk. What was it that scripture said? James 1, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. There is a reason that that verse is in that order. If we take care of the first one, quick to listen, then the others are more apt to fall into place. If we start on the right foot and we're quick to listen. I mean, I have found personally it is hard for me to be quick-tempered if I'm being quick to listen. It's just, that's a hard thing. I mean, maybe somebody can do that, but that is really a hard thing. It's not a natural tendency. If you're being quick to listen, you're not going to be quick-tempered. And, and I, that's why I think there's a reason that this verse is in the sequence that it is. Especially, you know, when we're talking about family, you think about how true this is. Uh, the last time 
in your family, someone blew up anger, raised their voice, got all irritated. I mean, hopefully not, but maybe it was this morning. You know, some of that happened. Or maybe it was some day uh, this week that that happened. Uh, the question would be how well the people that were involved, maybe you were involved in it, but the people that were involved, how well were they really trying to listen? You know, and more times than not, no, listening was kind of a back burner thing because the people involved both wanted to talk. And, and that is the way, unfortunately, oftentimes it goes. Perhaps something that would be helpful is for us to remember something. The word listen, it's only six letters long, um, which is also um, similar to the word silent. It is six letters long. But the similarity goes a step beyond that. Each word has exactly the same letters. The word listen, the word silent. And there is a connection between those two. That by being silent, you can more effectively listen. So there are times you just, you just, need, you just need to rein back that tendency and to talk into really seriously make an extended effort to really listen and to do that don't say anything or say very little. I debated about giving an illustration here, but I'm going to go ahead and do this. A number of years back, I had a meeting um, that, you know, as soon as I kind of caught wind on things, I knew this was a meeting that, that needed to happen. Um, and it, it involved somebody who was pretty disgruntled. There were several things that they weren't very happy about, and, uh, um, and they were making it known. And, uh, and so, you know, I initiated contact and, and, you know, figured they wanted to bend my ear a little bit. And, and so, and they suggested we do it over a lunch, which is fine. That's not usually my first choice when I know it's, a, you know, a meeting that may involve someone that's frustrated about something. But anyway, we met for lunch and we met at a place where it was a little more conducive for um, an extended conversation. I just didn't realize what extended conversation was going to mean in this case. It was um, just shy of three hours. It was two hours and 45 minutes. Now, it doesn't take me that long to eat food, okay? In fact, I don't know that I could, you know, um, as quickly as I normally eat. My plate was empty within 30 minutes. Um, but uh, at the end of our lunch meeting, uh, they still had the majority of their food on their plate. And um, if you were to, and this is going to be a guesstimate, but if you were to string together the words that I said, you know, in our meeting, you know, just back to back to back like that, I would be shocked if it was over 10 minutes worth of talking on my part. It may be, you know, outside would be 12 minutes. Okay, and I've already told you how long the meeting was. And so, so there, there was a huge amount of time where it was just a matter of listening. But, but I had sensed that this was really what was needed, you know, in this situation. They just really needed to be heard. And, and so that's what I went with. Now, if I would have had some great revelation, you know, to share, you know, or something, you know, I, I would have shared it. And I don't know that I had any great revelation. I don't recall 
having had any, but most days I don't. So, so uh, you know, um, so I, I just went to, to basically just listen to them. Funny thing about that is, though, that following that, and this person was a person that, you know, shared what they were feeling, what they were thinking, and stuff like that. And, and I figured I would probably hear something through the grapevine. I generally do. And, uh, um, and it was just a matter of a couple of days that I was, from a couple of different sources, I was hearing through the grapevine uh, that after that, that meeting, uh, there were comments that were being made. Comments like, oh, we had such a delightful lunch. We had such a great conversation as, you know, we met, met and I just appreciated so much the opportunity for, for having that conversation. And, and it was a conversation. It just didn't involve much talking, you know, on my end, because the thing that was really needed was listening. That was what was needed most in that setting. And sometimes that's exactly the place that you're going to find yourself in, whether it be with a son or a daughter. You don't have to be the primary one talking. In fact, sometimes it's best if you just probably don't talk. Because you need to hear what they're saying, then you need to pray on it before you open your mouth and talk. Because sometimes you're, you're going to say things and you know, you, you'll never be able to retract the words that you say. Even when you apologize, they were still, they're still out there. You know, and the emotional impact that, that they can make, you know, they will have made. And a certain percentage of that will continue to linger. Yeah, just remember, silent. You need to be silent to be able to really effectively listen. And listening, that's where good communication starts. You know, the book of Proverbs, I refer people to Proverbs frequently when, when talking about interpersonal relationships and communication certainly is a part of that. Proverbs talks a lot about this kind of stuff. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13 says, Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Okay, so, you know, it's just like keep your mouth shut until you really get an understanding of what's going on here. I mean, that's basically what that verse is saying. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27, the intelligent person restrains his words. The one who keeps a cool head is a man of understanding. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 20, do you see a person... Um, do you, see, do you see people who speak too quickly? There is more hope for a foolish person than for them. You see, all three of those passages are addressing what it is that we're talking about you know, here today. And, and the reality of the matter is, that's just a sampling of what you'll find in Proverbs. If it's been a while since you've uh, gone through Proverbs, do that. Put that on your to-do list. You know, even if you, you know, struggle to read much at a time, just read a chapter a day um, for the next 31 days. And in a month's time, you'll be through the book of Proverbs. And when you do that, mark every passage, circle it or underline it or whatever, um, that talks about communication, about your tongue, your ears, you know, and this whole concept of communication. And you're going to see there are a ton of scriptures found in Proverbs that address this. Now, there's something else that I want to share here as well, you know, today. Besides the dynamic that uh, those verses 
uh, are bringing to us in James chapter 1. There's another big thing here, and I've, I've touched on it, but I want to be very intentional and make sure that each of us hear it and see it um, on the screen so that it can hopefully make a lasting imprint in our minds. And, and so let me say it this way. Attentive listening sends a clear message. Okay, let's, let's be sure and get this. Um, so you just think about it. What would be the message that people would get if they were sitting there and they were talking to you? And while they're talking, you do not interrupt them. What would be the message that they would get if someone was talking to you? And the majority of the time, they've got your eye contact. Not uncomfortably, but they've got your eye contact. What would be the message that they would get if they were talking to you? And they could clearly tell from body language and from an occasional question that you really are trying to understand. What would be the impact that would make? What would be the message that they would get if they're talking to you? And you, because of the topic it touches on, something that they had mentioned to you in a previous conversation a week or a month back, and you go ahead and throw that out. Oh, that reminds me, you know, about your son-in-law. How did that turn out, you know, his doctor's visit? What would be the impact that it would have if you were that kind of a listener when someone was talking to you? I'll tell you what, it would show that you care. That would be the message that they would be getting loud and clear. They would clearly understand that you care. And it would go even beyond that. It would show that you value them. Because you really are making a conscientious effort. Now, if you weren't listening to them, if your eye contact was elsewhere, you know, and they just said something, and, you, and let's say several times in the conversation, you have to say, what? What did you just say? You know, and, and not because you're hard of hearing, just because you're not hearing, you know, what it is that they're saying. Um, you know, what, they would get a message from that as well. They would get a message that uh, um, what they have to say isn't really worth your time. That's the impression that you would be giving them. And, of course, they would be offended or hurt to some degree or another. Or say you were interrupting them and taking the floor from them as they started talking and all of a sudden it prompted a memory in your mind and you just took it and started running with it, what would they conclude? They would conclude that in your mind, what you have to say is more important than what they are saying. Because that clearly seems to be what's communicated. You know, if you take the floor away from someone mid-sentence, you know, you're kind of saying, oh, wait, no, I've got a funnier story, you know, or I've got a cuter story, or I've got a more tragic story, or whatever the case is. That would be the kind of message that, that you're running the risk of sending to them. Whether it's your intent or not is beside the point. It's what is actually happening in that person's mind, you know, when, when you do that, when you hijack something that they're saying. So let's, let's apply this. Let's apply it in our family. Let's apply it in our marriage. You know, as we're talking to our spouses, as we're talking to our kids, or better stated, as they are talking to us. You know, let's apply these principles. 
Because regardless of what kind of a reaction, regardless of whether or not you're being a good listener or a bad listener, the fact is you're sending messages. You are always sending messages every time there's an engagement that takes place you know, with another person. You're sending messages. Are those going to be positive, reinforcing, valuing type messages? Or are they going to be messages that are undermining, you know, those basic principles? When, when, you're, when you or I, when we are treated as if our opinion doesn't matter because someone only hears half of it and boom, they take off. And they run with the conversation. That's impactful. That sends a message that oftentimes is a hurtful message. And what will end up happening is if that happens often enough, people will tend to shut down. And they always decide, I'm not even going to try in this relationship. Because it seems like, man, this is, this is the third time in a row this same sort of thing has happened. Do you really want that to be the case with your son? With your daughter? Do you want them concluding, it's not even worth it. I'm not even going to try. They don't seem to care. So why should I care? I mean, they won't even hear me out. So why am I going to give them the respect to hear them out? Do you really want that to be what's happening in your marriage? Of course not. We don't want that. That's why this is where good communication begins. It begins with healthy, attentive listening. This is one of the things that Jesus did, and Jesus did well. He valued people. And as we lead into our time of communion, um, the ultimate expression of how much our Lord valued us is what we reflect on every Sunday during our communion time as we uh, reflect on the fact that he willingly left heaven and came to earth and in order to die on the cross in our place. He didn't have to do any of that, but he did that because he knew you needed him to do that. And so this is a time when, when we celebrate, you know, the Lord's love for us and how much he values us. But the reality of the matter is when you study in Scripture, you see that that was just kind of the way Jesus rolled. He was always valuing people. It was just... It was just who he was. Let me give you a couple of quick examples. John chapter 4, Jesus was resting by a well outside of any town, you know, maybe a stone's throw or three away from a particular town. But the disciples went into that town to round up some food. A woman comes out there. What does Jesus do? He strikes up a conversation with her. Do you remember her initial reaction? We're talking about the woman uh, by the well that story. Do you remember her initial reaction? She is shocked that Jesus would be talking to her because he was a man, she was a woman. Yeah, back in the culture of that day, that was part of it. But it was also because he was Jewish, she was Samaritan. Man, there was some real uh, racial tension between uh, Jews and Samaritans. But, I mean, we look at it and we can see the big picture. Uh, he's the son of God. And, and she's not. But yet, look at Jesus giving his undivided attention to her. That communicated something loud and clear that perhaps she wasn't used to seeing or experiencing. 
You look in Mark chapter 10, and you have uh, some parents bringing their children to Jesus for Jesus to put his hands on and to bless. But the apostles, they see this happening, and they're just like, shoo, shoo, get these snotty-nosed kids out of here. You know, Jesus' time is much too valuable to be around all these little kids. Get him out of here. He's got places to go and people to see more important things than this. But as soon as Jesus catches wind of what the disciples are doing, what does he do? I mean, he reprimands them. He says, don't hinder the little ones from coming to me. And Jesus gives his undivided attention, you know, to these little children. He values them. Or you think about in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is walking along the road and he's kind of got a, a group of people that are traveling with him at this particular point. And as they're walking along, there are two beggars sitting alongside the road. Now, they obviously can't, can't see Jesus because they're blind, but they're, they hear that it is Jesus. And so they start calling out for Jesus trying to get his attention. But people that are in the crowd are like, hush up, be quiet. He's much too busy for the likes of you. Meanwhile, Jesus heard their voices. And wherever it was Jesus was trying to go, that destination was going to have to be delayed because Jesus came over and gave them his undivided attention. You see, I mean, we, we, during our time of communion, we really reflect on the fact that Jesus left heaven, came to earth, died on the cross, didn't have to do any of that, but he did that for us because he values us. And we celebrate that, we reflect on that, we pray about that, and rightly so. But the reality of the matter is, Jesus was doing that kind of stuff all the time. He was always valuing people. And you know, yeah, I mean, someone's not going to need you to go die on a cross because you can't actually do much good by dying on the cross because you and I, you know, we haven't lived perfect lives, not like Jesus. So we're not qualified to offer that, that perfect unblemished sacrifice that was needed in our case that Jesus offered. But there is something you can do and there is something I can do, and that is we can value people. We can value people in our daily lives. And what we've talked about here today is one of the most basic, fundamental ways to do that. And that is by truly listening to people with our undivided attention. Sending a message that if it's not just a freak, fluke sort of thing, but it's something that happens, and then it happens again, and it happens again, Think of the reinforcing message that that is communicating to your loved ones and to your coworkers. Yeah, we need to be a little more Christ-like, starting right there. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for your word, and I pray, Lord, that you will take um, what has been shared here today from the Bible, and through your spirit, you will stir within us and bring conviction and discernment in the moments that it's really needed. And so for some of us, it might be on the ride home. Others of us, it might be the first thing in the morning as we get up for breakfast or as we show up for work. Father, help us to be people 
that truly do value those around us. And that does need to start right in our homes. And this is a very tangible, very practical way. So I pray that your spirit will lead us. Thank you for setting such a great example for us and for doing for us on the cross what needed to be done and which no one else was qualified to do. We praise you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.